The Nuggets are seven and three through 10 games of this brutal 11 game stretch of opponents. We'll talk about how that matches up with our expectations, what we've learned from this team in that stretch. Plus the importance of the one seed and what the Nuggets priorities need to be for the rest of the season. MVP discourse is going to be back. Woohoo! And Peyton Watson makes rising stars. All this and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and making this part of your week, part of your lives, being part of the community. We appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, we are available on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. This is Locked On Nuggets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares of DMVR. Um, in the intro, I said that Peyton Watson made the Rising Stars. Genuinely, <laughs> I thought he did. I genuinely <laughs> thought he did. No, and no, Peyton's no, like, no. we should talk about it. Or Adam's like, we should talk about it. And uh, yeah, that, this is the how much I pay attention to Rising Stars, but we'll right. get to that later. On today's show, Nuggets are 10 games through the 11-game brutal stretch that we talked about two weeks ago. We'll talk about how they've fared, how they've managed it, and what their priorities uh, should be the rest of the season, including how important is the one seed going forward as they face the Oklahoma City Thunder in a key game in Western Conference playoff tiebreaker scenarios tonight. Um, also, uh, with Joel Embiid's injury in the last segment, we'll talk about the implications for the MVP, because guess what? It's going to return! Fourth season in a row. So we'll talk about that uh, as well as Peyton Watson not making rising stars this season. Uh, Adam Mars, how you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, man, I forgot. I just realized I forgot to change my things in the back. All right, let's go. <laughs> all right, it's fine. Uh, all right, let's go. So let's start here. The Nuggets are 10 games into the 11-game stretch that we talked about. Uh, when they embarked on the road trip, they are seven and three in that time with losses to the New York Knicks, obviously uh, not, not a great out. in that one. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers on the road. And um, what's the other one? Utah. And Utah. Yeah, that, that first one, which by the way, you know, Michael Malone going into the after the Utah game talked about it as a 10 game stretch. And I kind of agree with him because that Utah game was very unfocused. And I do feel like the Nuggets refocused heading into what would have been in the 10 game stretch. So if you count the 11 as I do, because the Utah Jazz were good, but I don't think the Nuggets did. I think the Nuggets looked at the starting with the New Orleans game and were like, hey, we got to lock in and measure ourselves up in these games. So take that for what you will. Um. So for me, I think the biggest to kind of take away that I, I found is I do think that the Sixers at full strength are a tough matchup. Um, the Knicks one, I really don't know what to make of that game. The Knicks, I think, are live to make the finals. Like they're they, they are genuinely been that good since the Ananobi trade. They're uh, top five or top ten both offense and defense, and are really rounding into shape. So like that could be a tough matchup, especially if Mitchell Robinson yeah. is back just to be able to throw another body out there along with Hartenstein. Um, they match up well with Boston, I think can be said. They continue to match up well with Milwaukee. The biggest thing maybe is kind of this is that the Nuggets, every time that we're kind of like, I don't know, they're getting pretty far away from their defensive principles, like they're getting away, that they like are able to still show this side yeah. of themselves. Like the switch is very apparent. We we talk about the switch a lot with sports teams of 
flipping that switch with the nuggets. It is very apparent and they have had just enough games to remind us of that. And it's something that I'm very focused on not forgetting that this nuggets team, when they want to, especially on the defensive end can flip that switch and execute at a level that is daunting for any team, especially if they're in Denver. No question. I mean, that to me, if you ask me what's the defining, you know, takeaway over the last 10 games, that's it, is that we saw the Nuggets give their best punch. And we haven't really seen that. In my opinion, this year, there's only been two stretches where I think we saw the Nuggets' best punch more than one game, you know, over the course of a couple games. The very start of the year, I thought the Nuggets came out very focused. They sent some messages. They got off to that hot start and they looked incredible. Murray gets hurt after that. And then I think this 10-game stretch, I think the Nuggets... Yes, there were some duds in there. The Knicks game, of course. The Philly game in Philadelphia, where I thought Denver played hard, but they had the weird defensive strategy that obviously backfired. That was an anomaly. But I think in most of the games, you saw an intensity, a seriousness, a focus. Um, and the two games that stand out the most are, of course, at Boston and then home versus Milwaukee. Those were the two that felt like the Nuggets trying to be the best version of themselves. And they looked phenomenal in both games. So. To me, I think we saw what we needed to see out of the Nuggets. You have this game. There has it's a little anticlimactic. That's you know, Embiid didn't play in the 76ers game, nor did Maxi and Tobias Harris, and that that Indiana Pacers game didn't have Ty, Tyrese Halliburton. Tonight, it looks like you won't have Jalen Williams in Oklahoma City. So some of these are a little bit. I would have loved to have seen how they stack up against the full strength teams, but nonetheless, the Nuggets brought a requisite focus and seriousness and defense that I I go okay, they look good and they look like a team that we should think is the favorite to win the West. So in December, they went 10 and five. They're 10 and four through January going into tonight's last game of the month. So that's going to be, if they win tonight, that's 21 and nine, which is, that's phenomenal. Uh, like this is the eating season in the NBA and the Nuggets have definitely eaten up the competition. Um, let me, I guess one thing I would ask you is, um, I, I still kind of have this question, which is just, if there's one difference from this year to last year, Mm. I think I have still more questions about the bench play on the road than I did last year. And I don't know if that's fair, given that there were games where like the Jeff Green minutes got obliterated on the road and they won anyway. Um, there were minutes like DeAndre didn't play last year and he's at least conceptually going to play in some series at some point this year. Maybe. Um, I, I, I think you and I are, I think, very apart on this. And that's okay. Like, it's just like a matter of opinion thing. Um, I, I still, I think that's my takeaway from both the Phillies, the Philadelphia game, the Knicks game was a blowout, whatever. But some of these spots, especially on the road, I still kind of look at this and go, this is a young second unit. AG at five is not like a, it's not a, it's not like the death lineup, right? Um, the death lineup's the starters. Um, but... Yeah. I I still have my biggest thing is the, this playoff run, I think, will be more difficult because I think that maybe some it's less a matter of this year's bench being worse than last year's and more that maybe last year's bench fell into some good situations and it's less likely to happen this year on the road. Does that make sense? I, I think you probably, in my opinion, I think you probably just trusted Bruce because he was a veteran player. So mm -hmm. there was a little bit more of a it feels sustainable, whereas Peyton Watson you know, has just grown throughout the course of the season. I think right now, I, I've been one of the storylines of this last 10 games is that Peyton Watson has moved into sixth position in the Nuggets sort of trust chart, which I think he came into it as seventh. But we saw when the going got tough and Malone had to shorten his rotation, Peyton was not cut 
from that shortness. He was included in it. So I think that's one of the, the positive things. And for me right now, I think they're the same. I, I think that time has made us in the playoffs, obviously, where guys really stepped up, has made us forgot. But I just think the bench last year was as inconsistent or as it is this year. And I think the guys that are playing off the bench, namely Reggie and Peyton and Christian, are equally as prone to looking great when they play alongside Jokic and another starter as they are the guys last year, which is what you're going to see in the playoffs. So I, so I would disagree. You're right that there's room for disagreement on this one. I, it's not that I have tons of confidence in the Nuggets bench. I have none. I just have confidence in the like the that they have enough guys for a playoffs. And I think I have way more confidence after this 10-game stretch than I did before it. Yeah, this is less of a, ooh, watch out. They could lose and more of like a, hey, keep an eye out. This could be tougher than it was last year when they went 16-4. and four. Well, I think uh, it matters. Well, oh, the playoffs, yeah. But I think even down the street, because I think the depth really matters in the regular season. And one thing that was different from last year is the season was over five games after the All-Star break. That's not going to be the case. And it's going to be interesting to see the Nuggets this year have to, like seating, you know, we'll get into it next, but seating mattering and them having to play deep into the season. I'm just curious to see how that affects them. Um, maybe it affects them in a positive way. Who knows? But um, that's one thing that was different from last year. Oh, the other thing we learned is that I think that Murray, his ability to ramp it up for big games, but his inability to sustain it was on display. And that's a half positive, half negative. Because in the playoffs, you're going to need him every night. And he has shown with the Milwaukee game, with the Boston game, that he can sort of draw on it. But we also saw with the Knicks game and the Philly game that he can't draw on it every night. So that that's one thing that I just feel like, okay, hopefully I would love to see Murray have three great games in a row this year. Because I don't know if he's had three great games in a row, but I would love to see it sometime between now and the end of the season just to feel like, okay, he's rounding into the form that I think he's going to need to be in. Do it for Adam, Jamal. Uh, I want to talk more about this. We'll talk about that on the other side on Locked on Nuggets. Oh, gosh. I always... I mean... I got it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about our partners at eBay Motors. eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see if Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Uh, let's go with Io DeSumnu. Uh, with Levine and Williams both injured, DeSumnu has seen his minutes and usage bump up while also being more aggressive offensively and maintaining efficiency for at least a short term. He's got value. I love Io. I think Io is going to wind up being a good guard in this league. I think he just needs a little bit more time. I've, I've liked what I've seen from him this season. Kobe White's been fan, phenomenal, but Io has taken a step forward and it's pretty great. He reminds Josh me a Lloyd, lot of Christian Brown, yeah. Mm -hmm. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. The same with your vehicle. Uh, my favorite car I think I've ever had, I had a red Dodge Dakota out of college and it was awesome. Just a small pickup truck. I'm always bigger on small pickup trucks rather than big ones. I don't need the, like I'm not hauling things, right? I'm not doing contractor work. Um, so for me, but I do love having a pickup truck. Like after my kids are out of the house, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get uh, another like small mid-sized pickup truck because I love having a truck. And to keep it running, I know I'm going to use eBay Motors because with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Welcome back to Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Second segment here with Adam Morris. Let's let's talk a little bit more about Jamal here. So I think you're right. Um, I think one of the things that's notable, though, in terms of the consistency with the playoffs, I always feel like there are series where one guy's where for most players, championship level players, where it's like he was great in this series. He wasn't great in that series. He was great in this series. And even um, the Lakers, I think, are like this really good example of this in terms of not a championship team but a team that made the Western Conference Finals, Jared Vanderbilt was great in the Memphis series. He was awesome. And then, like, he was really good in the Warrior series, and he was unplayable in the Nuggets series. And a lot of it is, like, can you be not unplayable? Like, can you be playable in every series? That's a big starting point, which is not to say that that's the bar for Jamal. But I do think it's, like, look, if they face certain teams, Phoenix, I think, is one, I expect uh, Jamal to be awesome. If they face a team like the Clippers, I think that might be tough. If they face a team like the Wolves, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Um, and so that to me is kind of the question is like, do you need Jamal to be great every single round this year with how this team is built? Yes. <laughs> I think there's just no question. <laughs> like the Nuggets have to have two, it's just the NBA in general. I mean, if you had, you know, if the Nuggets were playing the Houston Rockets, you know, if there was like a team that didn't belong to the playoffs, but they snuck into the playoffs, maybe you could get away with a mediocre performance. But this year, I just don't think that's going to be the case. You're going to draw a Dallas or a New Orleans, like a good team, and you need two guys. So I I do think this was one of my big takes is I think that if you look at Murray's playoffs last year, he had pockets that he was way more inconsistent in the first two rounds than he was in the last two rounds. And that's my fear is this idea of Murray always brings it in the playoffs. And I think it's look broadly true. But there were a few stinkers in that Phoenix series. There was a few stinkers in that Minnesota one. And I just, I think there is something to Murray gets to a certain point by the start of the playoffs and then ramps up even more. But you can't do that. Nuggets should not be trying to fall behind 3-1 this year. They need to be like past that point by game one or else they're going to put themselves in a tough spot. Do you remember my media day prediction? <laughs> yeah, of course I do. I think about it all the time. <laughs> so... Uh, here's a question. Is that predicted, by the way, that the Nuggets are going to come back from 3-1 in the playoffs this year? So, <laughs> yeah, which is such a good take. It's so good. So I have a, I have one for you. Um, would you rather he be more consistent than have the peak of 30 points per game, 150, 40, 90 in the conference finals? Um, I, I think no, you can but... ask. I think you can ask for both from a max player. Yeah. I'm just asking if you had to choose between the two, which do you think is better? Probably the peak. Okay. Probably the peak. Because the a peak, like you get a peak game from Murray, you win. Yep. And if you get two or three of those in a series, that's three wins. <laughs> like yep. then you only need to win one other game. So you need the peak. Uh let's talk a little bit about the importance of seeding here. So it's time to start looking at the playoffs. Um th this conversation usually doesn't happen until after All-Star, but for the Nuggets, like most top seeds are doing basically maintenance work in March. Um, and especially late March into April. The Nuggets, as it currently stands, in the Western Conference this year, they are currently sitting second ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder after the Thunders lost last night, and they are tied with them. Um, that 
tiebreaker we'll talk about in a second. They are a half game behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the one seed is definitely within position. I don't think that the Nuggets have like really stressed themselves going for seeding this year. But I will say that instead, I feel like they have burned through different difficult parts of the season. When they had a condensed schedule early, like Malone said it, like they really pushed through that stretch. Right. And then they went really hard on this road trip. Like the Knicks game, I think was a, was kind of a consequence of that, that they pushed really hard yeah. and didn't have a letdown game. And then like the last game of the road trip, they had a huge letdown spot. Um, yeah. So the tiebreaker situation as it stands right now, the wolves are up one, nothing, the nuggets and wolves play three more times. The thunder lead two one going into tonight's matchup. Should Denver win? They then split. What gets interesting here is like, I can't predict how this is going to go, but I will say Denver is two and four in division matchups this season yeah. with three of those coming versus, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Four of those coming versus the, those two teams. The Wolves are six and two. The Thunder are nine and three. Now Denver gets to play Utah, who they lost to, uh, and Portland. They play Portland twice this weekend. So like Denver will fatten up on Portland and Utah the way those other teams have. Right. This is going to get really tight. The other thing I would mention here is the Los Angeles Clippers are tied in the loss column. So this is why this game tonight actually matters a ton. It makes yeah. you live to be able to catch one of those two other teams or both and come out on top. By the way, multi-team tiebreaker always goes to division winner if applicable. Another reason this matters. You need right. to win. They need to win this game and the games versus the Wolves. Those are honestly the four most important games remaining on their schedule. That's it. Like yeah. those games and then taking care of business versus Portland and Utah at home. Like that's really important. Um, the reason I bring this up, no team past a third seed since 2000 has won the NBA title. The NBA regular season matters less than ever. You don't need to look far to see that. Western Conference finalist, play-in tournament team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Eastern Conference champion, the Miami Heat. However, we don't know yet whether that's going to become standard, a normal thing, pretty common, or if that was a one-year kind of outlier situation. Right. What we do have is we have a healthy history that being one of the best teams in the regular season, and for me most, especially with this team, home court advantage is massive. I think Denver can go on the road and beat anybody. Is it easier on their health and bodies and rest and advantages if they are playing short series? Yes. And what's the quickest way to do that? Play at home. So for me, I don't think they need the one seed. I do think it would be, it's an important thing for them to get top two. That I do think is a goal for them to kind of go for. To me, it's more about who gets the one seed rather than whether Denver gets it. So to me, if I were placing bets on the Clippers having home court advantage and making it to the conference finals, I would say, yeah, if they get home court advantage, I would predict them to win the first and second round series. Of course, they could lose, but I would pick them to win. If you told me Oklahoma City had the one seed, I would not pick them. I would pick them to not make it to the conference finals just because, as again, I think they're a great team. But I think the odd, I would take the field over them if I was just saying they have to win two rounds. With Minnesota, it's more 50-50. I think I would probably still bet against them because I just see some holes in, in what they do. Yeah. So that's why I look at it and I go, I think Denver has to beat the Clippers because the Clippers are the team. Like last year, they're behind, you know, Memphis or whatever, you know, at, at or, uh, you know, you're worried about that. But you look at it and you go, Memphis isn't making it to the conference finals. What are you worried about? And I kind of feel the same thing about Oklahoma City and Minnesota. So for me, I look at that and I go, I'm more just thinking about the Clippers and how close I think that series would be between Denver and the Clippers. So that one to me is the one you look at. 
you um, and I are in the same, same place in that um, I honestly kind of look at the Western Conference as a two-team race right now. It's possible a team gets hot in March and makes some sort of run. Right. But if you're asking me, like, who are the title contenders in the Western Conference? I say Denver won. They have the most championship equity in the league. And the second is the Clippers. And then I don't have another team. The Pelicans aren't consistent enough. Everybody else is spoilers. Like everybody else could yeah. beat a you know, like if Denver lost right. in the first round to right. you know one of them, you'd be like, oh man, right. that's a crazy upset. But I just, yeah, when you talk about winning, if Denver goes down in the first round, like the Clippers' odds of making the finals go way up, and if the Clippers go out in the first round, the Nuggets' odds go way up. That's just how I view it. Uh, up next, the MVP discourse returns. Plus, why didn't Peyton Watson make the Rising Stars team? We'll talk about that up next here on Locked On Nuggets. Talking about LinkedIn jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I think it's really important when you're hiring to be able to, to kind of get to the people that, I, that hit the key identifiers for you. So that doesn't just necessarily just mean qualifications. It doesn't just mean skill set. It might mean cultural values. It might mean career goals. Like there are so many things that go into choosing the right person for the job and your ability to sort and find those people and then really key in on those for the hiring process makes your hiring process better. So you're not just kind of picking out of a hat, which is how it feels a lot of times with both sides. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We'll be right back. Locked on Nuggets. Foul segment here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay, uh, let's talk about... The Embiid stuff. So Embiid last night plays, looks horrible, can't get up and down the court, um, looks absolutely, just looks really hurt. Um, Jonathan Kaminga falls on him, and he suffers another injury. Nick Nurse said after the game that it was a sep- that's a separate injury from what he had been dealing with previously. But I will note that like he looked bad before. Um, for our Sixers the, friends watching. Nick Nurse says, yeah. Was unrelated to the injury that held him out recently. Unrelated. For our Sixers friends watching, um, Adam and I are going to be on different places on this, and that's okay. Like, my opinion is, like, I did take something from this. We're like, look, I've covered the league a long time, and I've heard guys talk about guys being hurt versus injured. And, like, Embiid looked injured last night. So, for me, I am kind of like, all right. Like, I feel differently about what happened on Saturday, and I do shift the blame to the injury to the to the training staff, where I was like, it can't be the training staff. Like, clearly, they wouldn't – like, why wouldn't he be on the injury report? That clearly there was an oversight. So, I wind up looking at what happened on Saturday different 
And like, I have regret over how I took that entire situation. Do I think it was weird? Hell yeah. Do I feel like that was where I was going to get to after all the entire situation? Of course. But like, look, I am pretty delicate with guys actually, like when guys are injured, and I talked about this on Twitter, when you're in the locker room, you see how hurt these guys are after every game. Like you see that impact. I, as much as I can be glib and trollish and whatever, I'm not glib to the toll that the game takes on the guy's bodies. That's what the money's for, but I'm not glib to that. And so for me, like, yeah, okay. He was hurt. Totally understand why he stayed why he was out. I don't know why he played last night and whatever reason that was, whether it was like, if that's pressure from everybody else on him, like the, the training staff does have to intercede and be like, Joel, you can't go. Like you, after five minutes, the coach has got to be like, you can't go, man. Like this is not working. Um, I'll get, I'll let you get your thoughts on it. And then we can talk about the MVP stuff. I hope he's okay. Um, for me, the implication of this obviously is like, Embiid's going to miss the 65 games now. Like it's, he's not going to qualify. And so it's a near lock at the, at yeah, point. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a near lock at this point. Um, Jokic is the new favorite. He's a minus number at most of the sports books. Um, I will tell you that right now, I still kind of think, I don't think Joker's going to miss enough games. I do kind of wonder if Shea Gilgis Alexander, if the Thunder get the one, like this is the big thing. If the Nuggets get the one seed, it's going to be Joker. It's numbers plus winning plus the one seed. That's enough for Joker to win. If the Thunder are able to recover from this injury spot that they have, like if they were to win tonight, especially, and then if they can have three, one advantage over Denver in season series, and they finish number one. I do think that Shea Gillis Alexander is live. And on, I will be quite honest. Like, I think Shea Gillis Alexander is a completely worthy candidate. He's been the most impactful player end to end that I've seen this season. Jokic is insane. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's an all-timer. He's the best player in the league. But I do think that Shea Gillis Alexander would be a worthy MVP. Um, but I do think there will be kind of a default to Jokic if he secures the one seed. Somebody had a good line to me the other day. They said, this is the first year where it doesn't feel like Jokic's the MVP. Like last year, you know, that got toxic or what have you. But I think, you know, especially if you're a Jokic person, you just leaned more towards Jokic. This is the first year where it's like, yeah, I mean, other guys have been at his level. Other guys have played at his level, including Embiid, who I think was playing above his level. So I think that you're right that Shea Gildas Alexander carrying this team the way that he has is, I mean, it's obviously noteworthy. They're 32 and 15, Denver's 33 and 15. Both guys have made that kind of similar impact on their teams. So for me, I see it. Um, what I think is more interesting about this question for me is that I think it's pretty clear Yoke doesn't care about the MVP and probably doesn't want the distraction anymore. Yep. So I, I mean, obviously that was the case last year, but this year I'm very curious to see, <clears throat> we asked coming into the year, could this conversation, it won't be toxic this year. Like Yoke won the finals, you know, like all this stuff it won't be toxic. And it came and we found a whole new way for this to become toxic with now the 65 game controversy and the ducking and all this stuff. So I look at it and I go, I think that my only real story, because I've told you, I was the guy who didn't care about the MVP back before Yoke was wearing, winning them or, or what have you. I'm, I'm well on record about all of these things. I don't like the way that players get talked about in that context. But to me, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that cares about the accolades. Um, I think it's going to be a distraction, though. And that's the one thing that I think is the fallout from this is I do think, and I don't think it'll happen now, but the same thing with the standings. Late in the year, it's going to become this talking point. And I imagine 
I would not be surprised. And I don't love this from Yoke. I'm not trying to give him an excuse, but I would not be surprised if we got some emotional funk games from Yoke down the stretch where it was like, is he trying to lose MVP? Or even subconsciously, it's affecting him. So I don't think that there will be a, a conversation like it was last year because they have a new target, which is the 65 game thing. Right. Because like everybody kind of agreed, like, look, he's having one of the, like, he's having uh, arguably the best scoring season since Jordan. It's like Jordan Embiid and then Harden for per 100 possessions. Right. Like I would have, I have no issue if and Embiid like has been a lot better this year than I think he's ever been. Like he showed me so much defensively. I did a bet stream of him versus the Wolves and he was incredible in that game. Um, yeah, that was that was a that was an he was an incredible game. game. So like now there's like a new target. Like that's gonna be the talking point. Is like the 65 game minimum, and it won't necessarily be about should we give because like last year it really was. Can a guy who hasn't won a title who's white be awarded three MVPs without winning a title. There won't be any of that this year. I'll be like, well, no, we all know that he's like an all-time great now. And everyone in Denver is like, we told you. And that's fair. I don't think it will be as bad. I think it will genuinely probably shift. And I also, here's the other thing that he will get the stray questions about it. But in our media room, we have nothing more that we know we can get from him. Like I always say this, you ask a question if it has to be asked, if it's about something extremely important that needs to be on public record, or if you feel like you can get a quality answer that's insightful for fans, there is nothing about that here. So I don't, there, he will, every national TV game, not every, some national TV games, yes, there might be a national TV reporter in town that wants to get his latest thoughts on the MVP for their column. But in general, I don't believe that he'll get asked about it that much which will keep it out of the light and so i don't think this will be as big of a discussion um in part this is kind of like it's going to be viewed as like oh Jokic won by default because Embiid got hurt and honestly like there's a lot of people that felt that way in 2021 i thought he was deserving but i don't think it will be as bad this year maybe i'm i'm underestimating things but i don't think it will be he might be exhausted by it but i will also say this i think joker has kind of evolved to a place where like he's I don't I don't feel he is as volatile to such things. Maybe I think last year may have been a cathartic experience for moving past some of that for him. And look, I think there is something real about winning two MVPs and not having accolades. Like I think that there was probably would have been way more pressure on Jokic in the playoffs last year had he won the MVP than had he just not. So I think that there is something too, like, you know, <laughs> Yoke not wanting it last year. I, I don't know, like I don't know how it'll play out this year. I know Yoke doesn't care. I know I I know it's not going to be whatever it is, it'll feel a little weird. My other interesting angle on all of this is I find it laughable the people that have come to the defense or that have come to talk about how much they hate the 65 game rule. I think it's hilarious because it's the same criticism I have for people that just won't hold their players accountable in any capacity, which is a the media at large right now. They hate when you talk about ratings because ratings are bad. And if, well, why are we being so hard on the league right now? Why are we doing this? They hate when you criticize players for different things. Like, oh, why are you being, I don't understand this desire to jump in front of um, the league or the players to shelter them from mild criticisms. And I think the 65 game rule, or 65 games played rule, for me, first of all, it's already historical precedent that guys, nobody plays fewer than that and wins awards. But now we put a number on it just to kind of say, hey, we have this issue of people load managing. It's not going to work, it, it appears. Guys are still going to miss below that. And then people coming to the defense of the players and saying, well, this is so unfair. I find it ridiculous. I find it insane that people are going uh, to try to 
to think that this is somehow unfair to players and make that a storyline. Um, so that's my other only other angle of this. And by the way, it would be the most defining moment of the Adam Silver era if he were to create this draconian rule, 65 games, that addressed the symptom of a problem, players not caring about their fan bases or regular season and participating. So we have to treat a symptom of it, it not working, and then Adam Silver deleting it because he got backlash. That would actually be the most Adam Silver thing possible to be both ineffective and also to fold in the face of pressure. Uh, my only kind of comment on this is that this rule was not actually created for Embiid. It was created to try and get Kawhi Leonard to play 65 games so he qualifies for all NBA. That's right. that's why it was created. That, that's why it was created. Well, I mean, I think it was created for a lot of players, but obviously Kawhi Leonard is one of the faces. And by the way, it kind of worked for Kawhi. Like he yeah. played this yeah. year. Exactly. And, and there uh, was a sneaky suspicion, including with the data that the NBA released, that maybe playing consistently actually prevents injury as opposed to causes injury, yeah. which is kind of a funny thing. But you have um, you have 90 seconds. What are your thoughts on Peyton Watson not making all, uh, rising stars? Part of me understands it because other guys like Dyson Daniels is the guy I think you point to. First of all, there's a lot of good young talent. And Dyson Daniels is the guy you could point to and say, OK, where does his where does he stack up? It's not about who do you think is better who has been better recently and who is going to be better in the future. A lot of, when you go to a good team, these early accolades are the biggest thing you sacrifice because you're playing winning basketball, your role is less. Whereas a lot of the guys that are on this list are on bad teams and their role is higher. So I understand, like I'm not outraged about this one, but if you ask me of that list, like where does Peyton slot in? Way ahead of most of the guys. So. It kind of is what it is that his career, he redshirted and then slow played this year. It's just a consequence of that, in my opinion. That'll do it for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining You agree? Us. You I have agree. to go on record. I agree. I agree with everything that you said. All right. I think that you're dead on. Uh, thanks for joining us in Locked On Nuggets. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back tomorrow. Swipe will have you covered. Recapping the Thunder game. And then Friday, Swipe and I will uh, hit you up and uh, we'll look forward to the weekend set versus the Portland Trailblazers. Thanks for joining us. Have yourselves a great day. See you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets.